I hope you're having a good day and thanks for joining me. My name is Kayla and this is Feel Good Murders. I know what you're thinking, what the hell Kayla, murders are not good. I know, I know, and that's not what I'm saying and believe me, these are not happy stories. But let me explain. My mom and I are both really into true crime and we were originally going to record these episodes together. I was going to tell her the case and you'd be able to hear her reactions and her questions right then and there. But unfortunately, right before I started putting together the first episode, we found out that my mom is sick. She has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so the next few months will be challenging. So to keep her morale up and honestly just to give her something to do, I decided to record these episodes for her. I'm hoping giving her something to listen to takes her mind off of her situation and helps her feel better. Hence, feel good murders. I'm hoping the same for anyone listening. I'm really glad you're here. So let's get started. This is the story of Lacey Peterson. Lacey Peterson, maiden name Rosha, was born May 4th, 1975 in California. Her parents, Sharon and Dennis Rosha, were high school sweethearts, or at least dated in high school, and they owned a dairy farm. Lacey's parents divorced when Lacey and her older brother were very young, so Lacey moved with her brother and her mom to Modesto, California. Sharon later remarried a man named Ron Gransky, who was a father figure to Lacey and her brother. They would still visit the dairy farm on the weekends, and Lacey loved to work on the farm when she was little and she ended up developing a love for plants. And this was a passion that she still had in her adult life, too. In college, she even majored in ornamental horticulture at California Polytechnic University. I think they call it Cal Poly. I didn't know what ornamental horticulture was, so I looked it up, and according to Britannica.com, ornamental horticulture has to do with, quote, growing and marketing plants and with the associated activities of flower arrangement and landscape design. In 1994, while Lacey was in college, she had a friend who worked at a restaurant called Pacific Cafe, which was a steak and seafood place in Morro Bay, California. So that was about 20 to 30 minutes away from Cal Poly. So she would visit this friend and go to this restaurant. And on one particular visit, her friend introduced her to her coworker, Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson was said to be a good-looking guy, about six feet tall, with brown hair and a big smile. Sharon Rosha, Lacey's mom, later described Scott as very charming, very polite, and the perfect gentleman. Scott was also attending Cal Poly for agricultural business. Lacey was thinking, this guy is good-looking, so she was actually the first one to make the move. She gave Scott her number that day and even called her mom later that day and said, Mom, I've met the man I'm going to marry. Scott called Lacey to set up their first date, and for their first date, Scott took her deep sea fishing. I don't know who the hell goes deep sea fishing for a first date, but if it was me, I'd be like, absolutely not. No dates for that guy. <laughs> but Lacey must have enjoyed it, though, because they began dating after that. Although, reportedly, she did get seasick while on their first date. But they were in love, and their relationship became serious, and after two years, they moved in together. Scott eventually decided to give up his dream of becoming a professional golfer, 
To get more serious about his path as a businessman, which he used later on when the two of them opened up a sports bar called The Shack in 1998. So, they meet in 1994, Lacey graduates college in 1997, they get married on August 9th, 1997, Scott graduates college in 1998, then in that same year they open up The Shack. The shack stayed open for a few years until the Petersons decide to move back to Lacey's hometown, Modesto, California. Modesto, California is near the San Francisco Bay Area and Yosemite National Park. While being the 19th largest city in California, it maintains its old town feel and is said to be very beautiful. They bought a home in an upscale neighborhood for $177,000 and... Not fun fact, weird fact. In 2022, the house was sold for $510,000, and apparently they left out this case in the listing. Lacey and Scott had the American dream life together in their new house, and Lacey's mom said that they were, quote, a happy couple. In their new place, Lacey worked part-time as a substitute teacher, and other than that, worked really hard to be a good housewife. And their life as a couple got even better because in 2002, the couple found out that they were expecting a baby boy. Lacey and Scott decided to name their baby boy Connor, and he was due to make his entrance into the world on February 10th, 2003. Things seemed to be going great, and the two had their quote-unquote idyllic life together. But that would not be the case for long. On December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2002, Scott reportedly went fishing at the Berkeley Marina in the morning. Meanwhile, according to Scott, Lacey watched a cooking show and did some chores around the house and planned to take their dog Mackenzie for a walk. At 2.15 that day, Scott left the famous Hey Beautiful voicemail on Lacey's phone. Basically, this voicemail said, Hey Beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley Marina, see you soon. Later that afternoon, Scott returned home to find Mackenzie, their dog, in the backyard after a neighbor had found the dog roaming by herself and returned her to the backyard. Scott also found his eight-month pregnant wife, Lacey, to be missing. Lacey's car was still at the house along with her keys and wallet, which were in her purse, in a closet. I thought maybe this was a little bit weird because... Normally when you get home, you just kind of set your purse down in the kitchen or wherever it is, not really in a closet, or maybe Lacey's just really organized and keeps her purse in a closet, or maybe I'm really unorganized, I don't know, but I thought it was a little weird. So the first thing Scott did when he got home was shower and wash his clothes because apparently they were basically wet from being at the marina. Scott told authorities that he assumed Lacey was with her mom, Sharon, because they had plans that night. So that's why he didn't immediately report her missing. According to ABC News, though, around 6.15 that night, Sharon called Scott to see if he had heard from or seen Lacey because she didn't show up for their plans. And that is when Scott told Sharon that he hadn't and Lacey was missing. So after that call, Ron Gransky Lacey's stepdad reported Lacey missing. As usual, police look to the spouse to get any ideas as to what happened, so Scott was questioned by police that same night. 
Modesto Police Detective John Bueller described Scott during his questioning as calm and, quote, a strange combination of polite and arrogant. Basically, he felt like Scott was not acting like a husband who is devastated about his missing pregnant wife. So when detectives asked Scott about what he was doing that day, he had told detectives that he had planned to go golfing that morning, but after realizing it was too cold for golfing, he decided to go fishing. Scott said that his goal for going to the marina, that was 90 miles away, by the way, was just to get the boat in the water. This idea did not sit right with one of the detectives, who was also an experienced fisherman himself. He said that the fishing pole and equipment Scott had brought with him to the marina that day would typically be used in streams and weren't really suitable for fishing in the bay, so it didn't really make sense. Lacey's family was adamant that Lacey would not just leave without telling anybody, and it was completely out of character for her. Lacey's family also stood by Scott, at first. Sharon Rocha said in an interview with Dateline, quote, People who know Scott and Lacey have no doubt whatsoever that he has nothing to do with her disappearance. The next day, Christmas Day 2002, police, firefighters, Lacey's mom, and other loved ones, the whole nine, searched Dry Creek looking for Lacey. This was a heavy and intense search, which included police canines, police on horses, water search and rescue, and even helicopters. Flyers were also posted about her disappearance, trying to gain awareness, along with blue and yellow ribbons. This was a massive effort, with 1,500 volunteers handing out flyers and ribbons, and around 900 search volunteers, and eventually a $500,000 reward for information that led to Lacey's return. Time goes by, and eventually Connor's due date comes and goes, but Lacey is not found. Until April 13, 2003, when a couple is walking their dog around the San Francisco Bay, and their dog finds the decomposing body of a late-term male fetus. The next day, April 14, 2003, somebody found the body of a recently pregnant woman washed up in a rocky area of the bay, just a mile from where the baby was found. These bodies were confirmed to be Lacey Peterson and unborn son Connor. And this is so sad. Baby Connor had been found with nylon wrapped around his neck and a large cut on his tummy. Lacey had been found decapitated and clothed, but her limbs missing, and the doctor who performed her autopsy said that she had a few broken ribs, but the doctor didn't know if this happened before or after death. When detectives told Scott that they had found the bodies of Lacey and Connor, Detective John Bueller said, quote, There was very little reaction on Scott's part. Scott, on the other hand, said that he had a very emotional physical reaction, but just didn't want the detectives to see his emotions. This story gained major national attention, and soon news came out that would be the center of a potential motive surrounding this case. On December 30th, 2002, six days after Lacey's disappearance, a woman named Amber Frey had come forward to Modesto police saying that she had been in a relationship with Scott starting November of that year. So Lacey was seven months pregnant with their son when Scott was cheating on her. 
Now, Amber had no idea that Scott was married. She was originally introduced to Scott by a friend, and Scott told Amber that he was single. So they started having a relationship, and Amber did eventually get suspicious of Scott's supposed single status, because on December 9th, 2002, she confronted him about being married, and he said that he had lost his wife, and this would be the first holiday without her. So remember, he says this on December 9th, and Lacey doesn't go missing until December 24th. But Lacey's disappearance had eventually gotten so big on the news that Amber realized that the guy she was dating was in fact THE Scott Peterson, a person of interest in his wife's murder. This was huge because obviously it did not make Scott look good, and it made it look like he had planned to kill his wife to be with his girlfriend. People already thought Scott was shitty and killed his wife, but now this gave a motive. On April 18th, 2003, police tracked Scott down at a golf course in La Jolla, I think that's how you pronounce it, and they arrested him. Police think Scott was trying to flee to Mexico, and here's why. When police found him, he had dyed his brown hair blonde, and his car was full of a bunch of stuff, including clothes, camping equipment, $15,000 in cash, and 12 Viagra tablets, you know, for emergencies. Scott's dad claimed that Scott had all of that stuff because he was living out of his car to hide from the media. Scott's parents maintained that they believed Scott had nothing to do with Lacey's disappearance. Scott Peterson was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances, which he pled not guilty for. During trial, the prosecution did their best to paint Scott as an uncaring, cruel man who killed his wife and unborn child to be with his girlfriend and escape impending fatherhood. The only problem that the prosecution had was a lack of physical evidence in this case. There was plenty of circumstantial evidence. The affair, the fact that he alluded to Amber Frey that his wife was dead before she even went missing, the way Scott disguised himself before he was arrested, and more. But the physical evidence was lacking at best. The only piece of physical evidence is a piece of Lacey's hair that was found in the boat, but she was his wife, so that doesn't prove he killed her. Scott's defense team put forward a theory about a robbery that happened at the house across the street from the Petersons the same day as Lacey's disappearance. They theorized that it was possible that Lacey confronted those robbers and it went wrong. I personally feel like that's a stretch. After 19 weeks of trial and seven days of deliberation, on November 12, 2004, the jury found Scott Peterson guilty of first-degree murder for Lacey's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Scott was sentenced to death by Judge Alfred A. DeLucci, who called this murder, quote, cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. In 2012, Scott's defense attorney put in an appeal for Scott's case saying that Scott didn't get a fair trial because of the amount of media exposure. I mean, this trial was huge, but the state's attorney office said too bad and his appeal was denied. 
Scott's attorney tried again in 2015 to appeal his sentence when information came out about a juror in Scott's trial who lied about information on her application. She had not disclosed in her juror application that she was a victim of domestic violence, which if, if she had, she would have likely been disqualified to serve on the jury. In 2020, his sentence was changed from death to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Then Scott had attempted to appeal to try to get a new trial, saying that the juror who, I just said, supposedly lied about her history, quote, tainted the jury. But he was denied and the judge concluded that there was no evidence to support his claim. Scott's appeal was denied on December 20th, 2022, just four days before the 20th anniversary of Lacey's disappearance. After this ruling came out, Scott's former girlfriend, Amber Frey, said that she would have testified again against Scott, saying, quote, truth doesn't change over time. And to this day, Scott still maintains his innocence. I don't think I'll normally give my two cents in these episodes, or maybe I will, but I will say this. I 100% think Scott killed Lacey and dumped her body in the water. I think he's a terrible guy. I also think, though, that there wasn't enough evidence to convict him. There is so much circumstantial evidence that definitely makes him look bad, but not enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did it. But he definitely did it. Today, Lacey would have been 47 and baby Connor would have been 19. I want to honor the life of Lacey Peterson. She was a sweet, outgoing woman and didn't deserve to die. That is the murder of Lacey Peterson. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Feel Good Murders. And I hope it distracted you from whatever you have going on in your life. See you next time. Be good and feel good. Bye.